Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Um, we're Series 6, Episode 4, an unplanned episode. Uh, we're recording about 10 minutes after Manchester United have suffered their worst defeat for uh, many years, nine years. And it's a it's a, a sense of dejection. But welcome to the podcast, to Series 6, Episode 4, with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. We're, we're talking about a, a terrible defeat to Tottenham Hotspur at Old Trafford. And... There was, I, I was thinking about this uh, at half time, and there was a, a, a great sense of anger inside me. And I think that would be the same for United fans all over the world who had seen their team perform so woefully with so little effort and quality, uh, so many mistakes, uh, and an inexplicable refereeing decision to. Uh, compound matters and to make things even worse but another 45 minutes another two goals and uh, it, it really is a sense of deduction Jack um, and there's that that anger is still simmering and I'm sure it will come out at some point from both of us in this episode um, but yeah I I missed well I didn't miss the last 10 minutes I, I stopped watching for the last 10 minutes of the game as soon as that uh, that penalty was given the the sixth mistake that led to a goal, but the probably the twentieth or twenty fifth mistake of the game, um, and it yeah, that's it's 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 a hard one to know what to say at the start. Uh, there's there's plenty to break down, but yeah, really, uh, just just deduction now. Normally, we always make a point of not recording straight after a bad performance because we don't just yeah. want to have an episode of us kind of just shouting frustrations into the microphone over and over again because it's just not very fruitful. Yeah. And actually, I don't think there's anything else that should be done <laughs> at the moment. I'm I'm trying really hard to kind of keep my emotions in check. But I, I mean, what we've just watched is not... I, 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 unacceptable doesn't even cover it. Yeah. It, it, every every bad word that you could imagine, it, it, it was just a, a disgraceful performance. I've never seen, even to me, obviously, the thing that rubs salt in the wounds here is that not only did we get smashed, but we got smashed 6-1, which is obviously a very loaded scoreline for United fans. And actually, I think this performance was worse than the City 6-1. Because at City, at least, you know, we were somewhat in the game towards the end and they scored three goals to finish us off in the last yeah. 10 minutes. We were, with 10 or 11 men, awful, absolutely awful all day. I mean, some of the defensive mistakes that we made wouldn't be acceptable in a Sunday league team where all 11 players are hung over after a big Saturday night out. Yeah. 
I mean that. It is genuinely incredible to me that a Premier League team, let alone one that has spent this much money on some of those players, can play that badly. Yeah. Um, it was... I mean, you can take every every goal. I mean, we could. And um, the, the whole... Just the, the sheer number of mistakes. There was one point, I think, uh, for the... It was either the fourth or the fifth goal where, I, I yeah, I, I found myself on the floor just kind of in... Almost in, in disbelief at the... the 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 number of players out of position, the number of mistakes, the number of people yeah. covering for others and then leaving their own stations unmarked. Um, I think it's probably it's probably the fourth goal you're thinking of. Yeah, when Shaw's out of position because he's covering for Rashford, not tracking back. Yeah, then Maguire's out of position because Shaw is out of position. So Mike <laughs> Maguire has to go cover the cross. Yeah, then Bailly is supposed to be covering for Maguire at the front post, but never gets across there. So there's about 15 yards of completely open space between Maguire on the edge of the box and Bailly in the middle of the goal. Yeah. And Son just waltzes into that space at the front post and, and pokes it home. Yeah. And it's, I mean, Son's finishes, both of them were were typically good um, from him. Yeah. And yet we've lost the game 6-1 and those finishes were great. Um, and there's, there's no doubt about that. But I do feel like we've lost the game 6-1 and every single goal was avoidable. And, and yeah. that's... I mean, I, know, I mean, you, you come here and, and, and we think, who, who do we blame for this? And it's another one of those. And how many times have we said this over the last five years? Um, that you can pick out anyone you like and, and blame them. But it's, it's delusional to think that there is one person to blame. We've, Moyes has failed. Van Gaal has failed. Mourinho has failed. Solskjaer is... It's uh, what, what, on the what verge of failing. Let's say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and you can say Pogba has failed, but so too have Rooney, Van Persie, Schweinsteiger, Falcao, Di Maria. Um, sure, all it's just the, the number of players that have come to Manchester United and underperformed, the number of managers that have come to Manchester United and, and not done well enough. Um, and the number of summers and winters in which we have had the, the, the frustration that we have at the, the running of the club. And it's, 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 it's particularly sad and dejecting because you know that if, if fans had been at this game, A, I, I think the result could have been different, but B, the, you would, I would feel like I had some kind of power in which yeah. to to voice my frustration. Um, and I think that's the same for me. It would be being at the game myself um, and being able to do that myself. For people who can't go to games every week, it would be knowing that there were at least 75,000 people yeah. representing them who could offer that frustration. Exactly. The, the um, fans in the stadium act as, as sort of representatives of, of the masses yeah. of United fans around the world. And yeah. seeing Ed Woodward sat in the director's box today alone with yeah. no one around, no one there to, to give him what, what he deserves. It, it, it sickens me just to think that he's potentially getting away with, with all of this. Yeah. And it's, the, it, it, it is that it's, it's a, it's a real sense of sadness because the, 
there was a there there have been three or four moments in time where you've thought Solskjaer has, has worked this out and has has cracked it, and he was obviously helped by very good individual performances and, and purple patches from Fernandez, Pogba, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood um, at various points, and the, all the upward momentum that existed. Um, say at the end of June, mid-July. And I think that kind of carried on towards the end of the season when United did finish third. It it probably dissipated a little, but there was certainly a positivity at the end of the season. Now, the Europa League performance dampened that once more, but still, had signings been made, then I think United would would be going in with some serious momentum into the new season, and as it happens, that's yeah. that's, that's not the case at all. Um, and some momentum and some goodwill for Solskjaer. You know, I, yeah. By by the end of the season, he had built up a a large amount of goodwill among the fans, and and rightly so. He led us to, without a doubt, our best spell of football. I think. Yeah. Probably, definitely under his tenure, if not under anyone's tenure since 2013. Yeah. You know, the level of football we were playing after lockdown and even for the, the few weeks before that as well was, was genuinely very high. Mm. And all of that has now dissipated. I think he's, both him and, and you know, the players and the the club as a whole have run through that goodwill and I don't think it exists from the fans anymore and rightly so. Yeah. The thing is, the thing for me, I was thinking about this during the game towards the end of the first half Harry, when, when, I'll ask you this question. When, when do you think the last time we actually played well was? Um, I, yeah, I was, I was also trying to think this. Um, and I, I meant to have a look at the results and remind myself of, of when certain games were. But I'd, it, it must have been mid-July. I, I, I tell you what, the, the, the turning point for me was, and this was we played well after this, but was the FA Cup quarterfinal against Norwich, which is a really poor performance and that we won. Yep. And I, I know there were some good games after that, um, but that was the point. Where I think it was a point where it became obvious that Bruno Fernandes was no longer playing quite as well. And um, so I'd say probably a couple of weeks after that, two or three weeks after that is, is probably because the Europa League, all the games were poor. The Chelsea Cup semi-final yeah. was terrible. The, the, the end of season wins against Leicester and whatever were, were, I mean, we won great, but we, we didn't play well as, as I think is the, the point you're making. I think to me, there's, there's a clear, I think you're right. Norwich was a turning point in that. I think Norwich was the, the moment when we should have rested players and didn't. Yeah, and still didn't get the win that we needed yeah. at least not in normal time I think the turning point yeah. for me in performances and I feel like this this game for some reason angered me more than it maybe should have at the time it was the draw against Southampton we were awful in that game awful mm. and, and we deserved probably less than a draw to be honest but it was the game before that that I think is the last time we, we put in a genuinely good performance and that was a 3-0 win against against Villa and even in that game we got quite lucky because a Villa, I'm pretty sure, hit the post before we went ahead. That wasn't a perfect performance either. That was July the 9th. Yeah. yeah. How many games we've played since? It's got to be about 10 games we've played since then. And I genuinely don't think we've played well in any single one of them. That is disgraceful. Yeah. And, and it's not... That's why this performance... Sure, this performance is, is the worst of the lot. And, you know, 6-1 is, is a scoreline that's going to stick in our memories for a long time. And we won't forget this in a hurry. 
but the, the result might be a surprise, but this performance isn't that much of a surprise. We've now conceded yeah, yeah. 11 goals in three games this season. And it could have been a well, lot I don't more. even... Against Brighton, we they, we they would work five times. We could have lost 6-2 against Brighton. Well, yeah, that's what, that's what I was about to say. Is that, um, this result is... I mean, obviously, it's a, it, was, it, it was shocking to be 4-1 down at half-time. Was it shocking that we've conceded six goals? I've Honestly, not, no. Not, not as <laughs> shocking as it should be. Um, and Brighton... We could have conceded six against Brighton. They hit the crossbar five times. And um, even Palace, they had a few more chances than just just their three yeah. goals too. Yeah, and uh, right. I, I think let's let's move the conversation on to um, to run through some things. Firstly, individual mistakes. The I mean, it's I don't want to go through goal by goal because everyone can. I'm not sure I want to put myself through that again, to be honest. Um, first, individual mistakes, shambolic, um, but also the the lack of response in the second half was, yeah. was I think, what turned it from anger into just a, a sheer sadness. And you just yeah. thought, and it, it, particularly because I think we've all warmed to most of this United side over the last year or so. Um, and and that, that was one of the big thing, the big... Uh, achievements of Oligan and Social was to uh, bring the fans back on the players' side, um, and we were warming to, to everyone in the team. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think that's changed. But I remember about sixty-five minutes, Scott McTominay went in for a hard fifty-fifty, and, and he thought, "Where the fuck has that been for sixty-five minutes?" Yeah, um, we. I don't think we won a single. A kind of clash in the first half whether it was airily a 50-50 Pogba was far too soft in them um, so was Nemanja Matic so was Wan-Bissaka so was Shaw um, and the, the positioning was terrible and, and this this is this is the thing and, and what we really need to move on to is Oli and Solskjaer and I think it's become obvious that it, if he is going to um, last as, as Manchester United manager he needs someone to to coach his defenders for him because he clearly yeah. can't do it. Um, and I, I think there is a, a some missing qualities in that defence, but it's still uh, far from the level that it's playing at. Maguire should not be part of the... I mean, he, he, he is a good defender. Eric Bailly is a perfectly good defender. Shaw is a perfectly good defender. Wan-Bissaka is a good defender. Now they've all got a lot of weaknesses and they all kind of the big problem is that every all, every single one of them, every single defender in United's team has something which they need a teammate to cover them for. Yeah. And exactly. that's completely unsustainable. But the the coaching, I mean, there's there's no evidence of it. There's, there's no there's evidence nothing. of a good system or or coaching or improvement. And that's that's damning, I think. You're you're very right in that every every member of the United defence has a weakness that someone else needs to cover, which, which is a problem in and of itself, which is where this whole yeah. debate comes from, you know, which we've talked about so much of, it can both be true that the players are not good enough for us to be winning a title or to be a serious challenger for multiple trophies. But at the same time, these players can all play better than what they are. And if players have weaknesses, yeah. it's not rocket science that the role of a coach and of a coaching staff is to minimise those weaknesses. And that is not happening at the moment. I don't yeah. see any attempt to say, help Maguire deal with the fact that he's not particularly fast and can't really play a high line. Because what are we doing every single game? We play a high line. 
Yeah. I don't see any... I mean, any- we got... Go on. We got destroyed, in not just because of individual mistakes, but because of, of the tactics. Yeah. And I, th- I think we're going to have to talk about the red card and I, as much as I don't want to, because it, it probably angered me more than... I'd, I'd, oh, <laughs> it's, it's impossible to put it, it... VR was... I mean, I guess we're talking about it now. VR was specifically brought in in order to stop players from cheating the system and getting other people punished for, for things that that uh, weren't violent, weren't a foul, yeah, exactly. uh, to stop diving, all of this. And it has, it has failed so catastrophically there and, and inexplicably. And I just, I, I, you got to half time and I was, I was furious with the performance of, of United, but also just completely dumbfounded by the, that decision. And yeah, I I I can't. There, it's not like I can I can see a way in which that decision was made. I I just cannot understand no. the thought process behind a that being a red card. It it should just be a kind of a brief telling off and then get on with the corner. And b the fact that Lamella has avoided all sense of justice there by yep. falling to the floor a second after he was yeah lightly stroked across the cheek. The, the, um, thing that, the thing that really got me is that considering that, you know, TV analysts, commentators and stuff normally love making an entire football game about some refereeing decisions. Yeah. L- the Lamella's part in that was, at least I, I was watching it on NBC here in the States. They did not even discuss Lamella's role in that. There was nothing yeah. to be said about, you know, him falling down maybe a full three seconds after he's actually touched or about the fact that he's pushed his elbow into Martial's neck. If what Martial has done is a red card, yeah. on what planet is La- what Lamella has done not? I yeah, don't understand. That's and, it. and yet it wasn't even discussed. It wasn't even brought up that this is potentially something that could have been punished. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it, it, for, for such a, a, a big decision. Now Spurs were, were running right against us already and could have been right, fallen out before the red we, card. I think we have every right to be frustrated about the red card. And again, you can both be frustrated about the red card, but also know that we probably wouldn't have won that game either way. Yeah, but for such a game change or potentially game changer decision, for the referee not to uh, go and look at it on the side of the pitches is baffling. And I, I assume what happened is that the ref saw Martial's action and said to the video assistant referee, after the the it had happened, I think that's a, a red card for Martial. Am I wrong? And within the laws of the game, raising hands to the face is punished far right. more greatly than kind of any other offence. And I assume because there's something within the VR rules that says that the VR can't tell the referee to send off a player and they can't, they they, they can point something out, but then they should say, to the ref, go and watch it yourself. I assume there was some kind of technicality within the laws where they couldn't directly say to the ref, you need to check Lamella's yeah. involvement in that situation. And that's why he didn't go to see it. But it's... Or probably or probably that he he just saw on the replay Martial's hand touch Lamella's yeah, face, yeah. which automatically um, now is a red card, which isn't, I don't necessarily have a problem with, but then how is what Lamella did not want as well. You know, it's just... Yeah, yeah. I think VAR is so frustrating because it genuinely did have the potential to be 
a massive game changer for referee indecision yeah. and get rid of this and make football a better spectator sport because this kind of play acting is awful to watch. It ruins so many good games. Yeah. And if, in effect, it, VAR instead has just been reduced to was a player running when a ball happened to strike their their hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on from VR um, because there, there's obviously more important things to discuss. Yeah. Even though that was um, absolutely farcical. Um, I, I think fair, maybe we shouldn't be so critical of VAR because thanks to VAR, we actually have one win this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so- very true. Although it, it does, it, it does feel like every week. And I said this um, when it happened. It feels like every week there is some kind of farce involving us. And look, we we eventually benefited against Brighton, but there there was there were mistakes made by VR in that game. The Lindelof penalty against Palace yeah. was. Uh, there was another one today, actually. Um, it's just not even just this every in. week. It's almost every every game, to be honest. Yeah. At this point, um, another one where. Luke Shaw was a yard outside the penalty area and the ball was hit at him from a a yard away and his hand was in front of his chest and it was given as a handball and a free kick. And I thought if if that was a yard If it's going to hit his chest anyway, what's the point? Like, why does it matter? Um, That that really riled me as well. And that was, was, it's like, they they have to change that rule. But anyway, we've spoken about this. Let's talk about um, Solskjaer more. And the the reality is now, this is what we, we, I think we've always said is that if Solskjaer, when we've talked about the possibility United win the league, we've always said um, Solskjaer will only win the title for Manchester United if he has by far the best squad in the league. And and that remains true. I think what we're seeing is that even if United did have the best squad, perhaps Solskjaer's level of coaching wouldn't be great enough to do that. And I think we've always kind of admitted that's a possibility and his responsibility is in the poor tactics, the poor shape, the the complete lack of defensive positioning, even though um, individual players could improve on that. And and it's clear that United need a coach who can do the defensive side of things if Solskjaer is going to stay. And if, if, if that continues or if this continues without any changes, then it, it does seem like he won't, he won't be United manager for, for that long, but for, for the owners and, and for Edward Wood, he's, He's the perfect man, unfortunately, and, and it really saddens me to say that because he, he's trying to do what's right for himself and for Manchester United, and it it might end up making things worse for both parties. Yeah, as much as I hate to say this, you almost need a, a Jose Mourinho type character at these moments because <laughs> he he's going to make things toxic and he's going to make things frustrating and he's going to say things that you don't like and that seem to run against sort of the DNA of the club. But I think what he does is he he makes people take action because he brings things to light. And I don't think, out of his respect for the club, which is extremely admirable, I, I don't think that Solskjaer would ever come out and say, look at the squad I have. Look at what's happened in the transfer market. Look at what's happening upstairs. I, just, yeah. I don't think he would do it, which is a credit to him, but there comes a point when there are certain moments when just accepting the status quo isn't acceptable anymore. Not that I think Solskjaer is accepting it internally. Yeah. Don't, like, I don't think Solskjaer is, you know, just sitting there saying, yeah, I'm fine with this squad. I think he, he is doing everything he can internally. I just, I, I don't think that he's willing to come out and criticize the club. And, it, and I think at this moment, that's what's needed. Having said that though, I am probably. I don't. I think this is true. I'm probably less convinced now than I have been 
at any point in Solskjaer's tenure that he is the man to take us forward. I think. And that's a big statement. And that might that yeah. might be an emotionally Why? sort of take, having a bit of an emotional reaction to the game. And I'll see how you know see next week if I still say that. But if we are quite clearly not going to be going into a season with a good enough squad, which it you know as barring something ridiculous happening in the next twenty four hours, it looks like we are. <laughs> I don't see this yeah. season going anywhere other than south. I, I genuinely yeah. would be at this point very surprised if we finish higher than seventh. We so far this season we don't even look like a top half team. Yeah, I I agree. I on the other hand, I do think that you you take a look at the last five seasons and one of these periods. Obviously, this is the the worst defeat, but one of these periods has basically happened every year um, for seven years. Yeah, that's fair. And yet, United have finished second, third. Um, and, and various other positions within the top four. United don't look like a top four team. They don't look like a top eight team. Um, but there is every chance that out of the international break, um, they could go on a winning run and very quickly um, leave these concerns behind only for it to happen again. Sure. But it, it, it's still possible. Um, I can tell you what Oligan Solskjaer said. Um, because it's he's just spoken as we're recording this and he said I'm responsible I hold my hands up I promise we will do everything to turn this around um which is and it hurts this is embarrassing um it's it's pretty typical in the social isn't it and he, he might have said something else as well but uh not everything's come out so far um it's yeah, yeah. look I, I yeah I'm less confident than ever that Solskjaer can win a trophy at United on the other hand you do just you, this this is the the, the sense of powerlessness is um, depressing because you look at it and think we've it feels like we've tried almost everything. Um, not into, obviously there, there's so many areas at the top of the club that can improve, but in terms of managerially and players, it feels like we've tried um, it all. We've yeah. we've had successful coaches, we've had inexperienced coaches, we've had um, reliable coaches in David Moyes, we've had. Um, yeah, Van Gaal experienced, Mourinho experienced winner, Solskjaer less experienced. We've had pragmatic coaches, yeah. we've had ideological coaches, we've had it all. And perhaps Pochettino could come in and do a better job, but I, I, I've said this many times, I cannot see us um, doing well while the club is, is run by the people it's done. And, um, yeah. and that's the sad truth of it. Um, and it, Changing a manager is... Is all well and good, and maybe that should happen. Maybe it shouldn't. I, I honestly don't know, but it's not going to change. It's not going to change. It might, it might immediately give us a boost. We we might end up finishing higher this season. You know, we might finish yeah. fourth instead of seventh, or you know, wherever. Yeah, it's not going to change anything that big. the The issues at, at Manchester United are more than skin deep. There is systemic issues in this football club, and I said this a, a couple of months ago, I think, and I. I've been thinking it for a few months now that I am seriously worried that we are about to enter into a period that Liverpool have been in since the early 90s, that they're sort of just come out of now, where we are a fallen giant perpetually stuck trying to figure out how to get back to the heights that we once had. And And what ended up doing it for Liverpool was a change in regime with Edwards and, and Jurgen Klopp, and it was... Jurgen Klopp has pushed this a lot, but let's not forget that Liverpool also had new ownership about 10 years ago. 
yeah. which, is, which has got some flack from, from the fans, but has always, I think, done a good job of staying committed to, to the club and backing whoever's in charge. They have yeah. a director of football in Duncan Edwards who has done brilliant things in the transfer market. They've had clear plans going forward, but it took 20 years for that to happen. And I, I hate to say this, but I am seriously worried that it, it might take us 20 years to get back. Yeah. Um, I think basically, I mean, we've, we've said all these things before and, and I, I don't want to do it all over again, but ultimately if, if, if United had a better manager or let's say a better coach than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, perhaps we wouldn't have to clamour for new signings in the way that, that we do. Um, it's blatantly obvious that we need new signings to make something of this season. Had we had a better manager, perhaps it wouldn't be quite so um, necessary. So you've, 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 there is a very good squad at United um, or at least a selection of very good players and Solskjaer isn't doing enough with it. Hundreds. All you have to look at is our form after lockdown yeah. to prove yeah. that. And Solskjaer isn't doing enough with what he's got. It's an expensive team. He has made some signings. Yes, not enough. He hasn't been backed fully. Yes, but... Um, and, and that's a massive failing of the board, but we, we've been through that. We've been through the frustration at the board and, and we all know it. We don't need to reiterate it every single week and for the whole episode every single week. Solskjaer's not doing enough, but again, it comes down to um, what I've just said, the, the criticism of the board, and, and I don't think it will change. Um, and it's, look, you can wonder what a better coach would do, but um, it, it, it is to do with the board. Um, and it's it's yeah it's a difficult one to analyze and, and look i've i've got every confidence that united will come out of the international break and, and react to this embarrassing defeat the the worst day of probably uh every player in that squad's career uh Solskjaer's worst day as a manager from at any club um everyone involved in that united squad and coaching staff will feel this is the worst day of their career and and they they should they absolutely should it's it's the worst performance I've ever seen from a Manchester United team and I th- I think I can safely say that um, and is this or four 0 against Everton perhaps yeah yeah both both were but yeah perhaps Everton was was even more heartless than this was but I've got every confidence that will come out and the players will will have some kind of reaction to this it's it's a shame almost that the international break is now. Perhaps it will be a benefit as well. Um, how much more is there to say? There isn't much, mate. To be honest, just almost just disbelief that we could put in a performance that bad. And I think, honestly, just just fear for the rest of the season. If you go yeah. back to when we got knocked out the Europa League semi-finals, I was very, very excited for this season and optimistic that something good might actually be be building. As the days went by in the summer, I got less and less optimistic. And at this point, it it's, it's going to be a tough old slog watching us for the next nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we'll, we'll go to a youth loan and um, women's roundup to end the show in, in just a second. But um, to, to end this segment, I think I'll, I'll read this Oligan Associate quote on, uh, on Eric Lamella, um, which has... 
I think mildly cheered me up very slightly. He said on Lamella's kind of dive for the Martial red cards, Solskjaer said, it's a joke. If that was my son, he would be eating bread and water for two weeks. Um, and it was, it was, it was farcical, but so were many, many, many things in that defeat. It was terrible defending, terrible managing, terrible refereeing. And, um, yeah, there's not much more to say. We'll go Actually, to the, other, the other thing, uh, the other thing I, uh, I quickly want to bring up was having a little bit distance from the game now, just, I feel like the Spurs' first goal today may end up being a clip that we watch as just being like the, the, the ultimate low point of this Manchester United yeah, era. I mean, it was, just I've... watching that. It, so I think just to run through the sequence of events, so... <laughs> the ball pops up in the air. I, I can't. Maguire heads it against Eric Bailly, who then heads it pretty much straight up in the air. Maguire yeah. then, I, I actually don't understand how it's possible to get such little power on a header as he did as when he tried to head it back to De Gea. Then yeah. pretty, much, pretty much ends up in his desire to make up for his mistake. Maguire fouling Shaw pretty much like yeah. pulling him down to the ground when I watched it in real time yeah. <laughs> I thought it might get disallowed for a foul on Shaw because it was because he was getting dragged to the floor yeah. as he was trying to clear it then you realise no it's the Manchester United captain that's that's dragging our left back to the floor <laughs> I mean yeah. that is, it's um, a comical series of events that I think we will end up looking back on as such a a microcosm of everything wrong with this football club at the moment yeah I think I, I need a little more time before I can laugh about it, but perhaps one one day I will. It was it was so I, oh, I was furious. I think if we'd have lost the goal um, by one, lost the game by one or two goals, I, I wouldn't be able to laugh about anything. I think almost the fact that we lost by yeah. such a wide margin is I know that one goal didn't actually mean that. Well, this much. is the thing is is we haven't uh, we haven't been able to go through every goal because there were six of them and th- there were so many mistakes. I mean, you, you, you've just gone through that one. There were five mis- mistakes in there. Yeah. Um, it, it, it should be laughable, really. Um, yeah, it's it's oh, the Manchester United captain, eighty million pounds. Um, it, it was like um, Boxing Day, twenty sixteen. United played Stoke under Louis Van Gaal, and Memphis Depay <laughs> yeah. headed the ball back to De Gea. And I think it must have been Arnautovic, probably just stole the ball. Yeah. The, the weakest header I've ever seen. There was just a great. The there's it. a great screenshot um, of um, of Sky doing their analysis of that header. Well, they say distance to De Gea, 21 yards, header distance, three yards. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like that, but closer in. It, pro, pro, I think worse. The, the number of, oh, yeah. We, we're going to have to wrap things up there. Um, we'll go to the youth road and uh, women's roundup, um, and then we'll be back just to, to say goodbye. <laughs> Manchester United's under-23s drew 2-2 with Blackburn at the weekend with a very young team put out by Neil Wood. 16-year-old summer signing Joe Hugel scored a double on his debut to get United's first point to the season. He has now been called up to the England under-18s team. The under-18s, meanwhile, who are also a very young side now, were beaten 2-1 by Manchester City. With the international break coming up, it's a good time to give a summary of the low knees so far and their progress this season. Midfielder James Garner has been impressing for Watford with three appearances since he joined them on loan. He hit the crossbar with a lovely free kick in Saturday's game and has been called up for England's under-20 side. Dylan Levitt has played a few times for Charlton Athletic, who sit in the bottom third of the table. Teeth Chong has scored four goals in five starts for Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga and grabbed an assist as well. Joel Pereira is at Huddersfield and is playing about a third of their games. Goalkeeper as well, Mate Kovar, is yet to keep a clean sheet for 
Swindon Town in six games, but has been playing well for them. Max Taylor, the defender um, who travelled with United to Kazakhstan last season, he has joined Kidderminster Harris on a four-month loan deal. United's women's team returned to action this weekend after a couple of weekends off. Three goals against Brighton for them, none in return. And those goals came from Ella Toon, Jane Ross and new signing Alessia Russo. Next week, we'll have a special on United's women's team. Patrons will get access to extended interviews with a couple of guests and there'll be a five or ten minute shortened edition on the normal feed. If you want to get the full episode and much more, including bonus Q&As at the end of our shows, ad-free episodes and many other things, go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. And you'll find information there on how to become a patron, helps support the show in return for exclusive bonus content right no game to preview with the international break coming up um we will have a couple of episodes during the international break uh we'll keep you updated on our twitter um about what those are going to be but there will be a uh we'll, we'll do some kind of a special on the women's team and their season so far their recent signings um we'll have a shortened version on the normal feed um as i've uh, just mentioned and, and then a full version on the patron if you want to sign up to the patron go to our twitter at utd weekly pod that's pod for information there um but for more from jack throughout the international break you can find him on Twitter at at UCD Tate T A I T, and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson sixty four. Um, the episode will continue for our patrons um, who uh, have signed up. Uh, quite a few of them. Uh, we do a bonus Q and A at the end of every show for our patrons. Uh, we're going to talk about Edison Cavani, who we haven't had time to talk about already. Eric Bay and uh, various other things to do with the defence with questions from Craig, Michael and Dave. If you want to join them, ask questions, have them answered in a bonus Q&A at the end, go to our Twitter and find out more information. You can find me on Twitter at HarryRumson64, Jack at UTD Tate. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's, I, I can't say have a great week because I'm sure this will play on everyone's mind for, for a week and it's a shame there's no matches to make up for it, but... Um, Enjoy the. Just thank your lucky stars that like, you probably still aren't working in person and won't get abuse from your mates this week. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the very one true. Lining. Avoid everyone you can. Um, stay solitary yeah. all week um, until just self isolate. Yeah, self isolate. I am actually in isolation, but unfortunately, I'm I'm living with two United fans, but also with Arsenal, Liverpool, and City fans. So um, I, I'm sure I'm in for. Uh, not not such an easy ride uh, during the next two weeks of isolation but there we go right have a great week Um, enjoy anything you can just try not to think about Manchester United goodbye Network.